when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to another edition of STT Rewind. I'm your host, Owen Hughes, and joining me this week is Set the Tape writer and podcast regular, Steve Norman. Coming up on the programme, in part one of the podcast, we kick things off with a post-apocalyptic film special as we prepare for A Quiet Place by being really loud and talky. In part two, we turn our attentions to TV for a catch-up on The Walking Dead and how it is slowly starting to rot away at its audience's patience, forcing us to ask the question whether apocalyptic scenarios are just not suited to the media or if we are just not watching the right ones. And finally, in free play this week, we introduce a brand new competition with Set the Tape for your chance to win a two-disc DVD copy of the recently remastered cult classic Threads on general release from Monday the 9th of April. Stay tuned to find out how to enter our competition later on in the episode. But for now, let's wrap up this intro and get on with the show. So let's kick off this apocalyptic-themed podcast, as we would any other episode of STT Rewind, by talking about film. Or maybe we shouldn't talk about film? Maybe we shouldn't talk at all, Steve? As director John Krasinski's A Quiet Place is shushing audiences up and down the country as we speak. Uh, It's hit cinemas today. The film is out on Thursday. It stars its director alongside British actress and real-life wife, Emily Blunt, as a family of four navigate an apocalyptic wasteland, trying to not make a sound for fear of alerting uh, creatures to their presence. By all accounts, the film sounds like an interesting premise, if nothing else, and the early reviews have been mostly favourable. In between this episode of STT Rewind coming out and our next one being recorded in a fortnight's time, we should also have Tony's review of A Quiet Place on the website at setthetape.com. And he'll let you know exactly what we thought of it. But Steve, apocalyptic thrillers. Um, We've talked about them to death in the past. There's seemingly a dozen of them released every two seconds. Is it a genre or sub-genre that you are a fan of, would you say? Uh, It is, yeah. Um, Just quickly, I think in two weeks' time, because of the stinking cold I've got, if I'm patient zero, we're not going to read Tony's review because <laughs> it could all be over. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think I think in a lot of you've got that super strain of gonorrhea, right? That's been been in the news. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, super yeah. super clap. Um, <laughs> no, I think I I like post-apocalyptic or dystopian which I think is a debate we might end up having on this podcast, yeah. um, movies. But sometimes I think I like the idea or the concept of them more than I actually like the end product. I would say that's true. I think I can still watch some really sort of low-budget indie post-apocalyptic films that are a bit uh, conventional by the numbers and still get something out of it because I still quite like that concept as a whole there's still something that's quite kind of appealing about the end of the world um, seeing how people yeah but <laughs> it, the thing is if you like the thing yeah. is dystopian yeah. dystopian f- films dystopian future would be a nightmare because it just seems to escalate yeah. the class divide post-apocalyptic brilliant it's a great leveler like how much money <laughs> yeah. i earn doesn't matter what i have doesn't matter it's just you know survival of the fittest to, to be quite cliched so it's just absolute level if the world were to end. Do you think you'd do quite well in that scenario? I'd do as well as anyone else. I mean, I might lose a few loved ones, yeah. but... It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, what would be quite quite interesting to know then is if you've got any uh, particular favourites of the genre. Because I think if, you, if we separate them, if we do say there's a, a distinct divide that, that goes right down the middle of films that would be um, dystopian or anti-utopian, and films that are post-apocalyptic. If we focus mainly on those that are, are set in a almost wasteland, a futuristic version of Earth that's been decimated by something, whether it's zombies, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's aliens, you know, nuclear war, whatever, whatever it may have been. That's what I think of as a, a new, as a sort of apocalyptic film. So, uh, is there anything within that? that boundary that, that you, you're particularly keen on? I mean, a lot of zombie films are kind of just apocalyptic or even pre-apocalyptic because they take place at the outbreaks. They're not yet post-apocalyptic. Mm. Mad Max is, is, definitely, is definitely up oh, there. Yeah. Although, I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of the, the first Mad Max, it has to be as no? I said. I like Mad Max 2. Mad Max 2 is brilliant. And Mad Max Fury Road, fantastic. The other two, I could take a leave. They never, never done much for me. Yeah, right. Um, no, I, I think the I like the um, the Mad Max films, um, especially Fury mm-hmm. Road. Have you ever watched the Black and Chrome edition? No, I, I, sp- I, sp- I spoke to a couple of people who had, and they didn't really um, say it was really worth, yeah. you know, watching. I would, I would agree. I, I bought it. I actually sort of handed money over because George Miller said it was the definitive version yeah. of his film. Because the the color the coloured version was too saturated because of where it was shot. You either had really saturated blues or really saturated oranges, um, and he thought if it was in black and white, it would be better. But I mean, he would say that because he's trying to flog another version of his film, isn't he? But yeah, um, got me hook, line, and sinker. But uh, yeah, the Mad Max Fury Road as a whole is just a fantastic just, movie. Just quickly reeling a few off the top of my head. Um, You're reading them off the top of your head. Yes, that is a talent. It is. <laughs> yes. Wally, which was the obviously the Pixar film, which mm. when you think about it is mm-hmm. post-apocalyptic in a way because Earth has ended. We've all left. We've ruined it. That kind of that crosses between the two, I'd say. Yeah. I'd say it is post-apocalyptic, particularly the first half, and then the second half is very much an anti-utopian tale. Yeah. 
you know, um, along the lines of Brave New World or something like that. Twenty-eight weeks later, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Escape from Escape from LA, which is great fun. Yes, yeah. Um, Escape from New York, I guess. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. To an extent, I am Legend. Although that's just mainly Will Smith doing something good in a bad film. So, like that is obviously based on Richard Matheson's novel. Yes, which. You're a huge fan of as well, right? I'm yeah. sure you've told me before. You, yeah. yeah. It's just an amazing, amazing novel. Really short, yeah. but just exceptional. But like, that is definitely post-apocalyptic because the almost the vast majority of it, save for flashback scenes, including within the book, um, and The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price yeah, and the Omega Man. and Amiga Man, they're all, they're all post-apocalyptic, I would say. Yeah. They take part 90% in a world that has been, um, or, 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 or a sort of mankind that's been obliterated by a, a virus mm. of sorts. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's a just like fantastic book. I mean, the amount of people who watch the the Will Smith film and then aren't impressed, and you go, the the, the source material so good. Mm. There was Children of Men, which is quite a recentish film, um, mm. which is. And dealing dealing in a similar way with the kind of virus, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, was that one? Is obviously if people who don't know for the, the human race stopped reproducing. We, we yes, can't, we can't reproduce. Um, and one one child's been born, hasn't it? Is that isn't that a, they, they, they come across a pregnant girl who they try to get That's to it. somewhere that can help to Michael Caine. Yes, pull his finger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose he the original Planet of the Apes. That is true. I, I've just thrown a massive spoiler in there for anyone who's not seen it. <laughs> oh, damn you all! Damn yeah, you all to yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, you see, now that didn't occur to me at all in the sort of thought processes as we were uh, putting this podcast together. But it is that is a a prime prime example um, of. Of what we're talking about, I guess it's set in a apocalyptic future for, for mankind, not so much for yeah. ape kind. No, mm. and we're not talking about the the Tim Burton one. No, not at all. Because Christ no. knows what happened in the ending of that one. Although apparently that ending is more akin to what the the, the original book yeah. novel was. Pierre Boulle's um, a Monkey Planet, which is that's a better name, isn't Monkey it? Monkey Planet, Planet is of a, the Apes. Yeah. Monkey Planets are far better. <laughs> Especially as none of them are monkeys, even in the yeah. book. But um, <laughs> I don't know. The book I think isn't isn't as good as the film, and that doesn't happen very often. You don't usually get a situation where you go, "Yeah, film is is better than the book." But Monkey Planet and Planet of the Apes <laughs> definitely uh, uh, an example of that. There's plenty. Have you seen a um, a boy and his dog? Yes. Now that is a weird one. There's yeah. something a bit weird and rapey about that film that's just uncomfortable. Well, it's, it's the boy, isn't it? The boy and his dog, the dog can talk to the boy telepathically. Yes. And the boy's just going around the end of the world trying to get his end away. Effectively, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. It's, um, and he meets an underground cult. And uh, I mean, it's one of those films you can't really describe. You just have to have to go and watch it, don't you? Yeah. But, yeah. So there's, I mean, as as I think we've covered, there are so many apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic uh, movies out there. 
are you are you going to see a quiet place? Is it something you think you might? Yes, um, I will. I've seen I've seen it. I like the look of it. It mm-hmm. looks quite an interesting sort of obviously the post apocalyptic thing. I like trying to find a horror that actually scares me, mm-hmm. um, and I like the people involved in it. So hopefully, it should all marry up into being quite a good uh, good film. And we'll be talking about um, another film that's been remastered and is released on April 9th, uh, which is Threads, which we've both seen, of course. And uh, we'll be talking about that a bit later on. So straight on to TV, and we're continuing the post-apocalyptic theme because The Walking Dead, Steve, The Walking Dead is carrying on. It's persevering it's shuffling its way across tv again uh, much to its own detriment so i hear the biggest problem with it is none of the characters actions and motivations seem to make sense anymore right and it's just i mean as well as the storyline being quite repetitive which i think i've said on this podcast before we spoke about it so we won't hopefully dwell too much no need to repeat there, that seems, yeah yeah but it just seems to be there's a bad guy, they try and stop the bad guy, then another bad guy comes along who's badder than the last bad guy, and they have to try and stop him as well. Mm-hmm. And all usually different location in between the bad guys happens because they've wrecked the place that they were living. Um, but yeah, it just the, the motivations of some of the characters just don't make any sense, and the actions of them don't make any sense. You think, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Like, you're meant to be this good moral person and you're just killing people willy nilly. Um, and I just keep watching it because it's one I've invested that much time in it. I still want to know how it ends at the moment, but if it keeps being this bad for another couple of years, I just won't care anymore. Yeah. Just bit it off. It's, it's getting to the stage where, where something like lost benefited from having an end date Mm -hmm. And perhaps even something like Game of Thrones has been given an end date might benefit from it. So perhaps uh, The Walking Dead would benefit from saying, right, we're going to give this two more seasons and then we're wrapping it up. And they've got a goal to work towards then. Mm. But while it keeps being a ratings hit, that's probably not likely to happen. No, I mean, it's um, it's the, the biggest show that AMC have got, isn't it? Yeah, I know the ratings are, are dwindling a bit, but they're still hitting big numbers. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I can't see that. Um, that changing. Yeah, I mean, I've just flicked onto Facebook, and the um, first post that is on there, coincidentally, um, just says, "Why is the Walking Dead so rubbish lately?" And they don't use the word rubbish. Um, so, I mean, it, it seems to be generally the opinion that it, it's past its sell-by date now. Maybe yeah. um, just let it let it go. Um, but I mean, I think what's more interesting to come out of the, or a more interesting conversation we can have around this. I mean, post-apocalyptic TV shows. We were talking just before we started recording. Why aren't there as many of those as there are post-apocalyptic films? What 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 is it that's so different? Because you'd think it would be a nice format to, that you could use as a, an episodic way of telling a story. Is yeah people in this and, environment, and, and there's been a few that have been fairly good as well i mean it's not like it can't be budget because you just need to go to some most city centers in the uk you could probably make look like post-apocalyptic wasteland (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, some of the cities, some of the cities you go to, the people look like mutants as well. So <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I'm not going to name any cities and alienate some of our listeners. No. In their three years. But, but you're right. It's quite a cheap way of making shows as well. You know, you just hang up a couple of battered railings around the place and some, you know, throw some rubbish Burn across the floor. Car and, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, the Walking Dead, I guess, is probably the biggest exponent of that that kind of genre. But there are others. I mean, it had its own spin-off show, of course, Fear the Walking Dead, which I just couldn't, I couldn't stand. I, I might have even told you in the past, I got to the last, ad break before the last episode of the most recent season and I couldn't even be bothered to watch the last 15 minutes yeah. I just turned it off I thought, I'm not interested I do not care what happens to these people I thought it was exceptionally bad as a TV show mm. and I was only watching it because it was there on my planner and I was trying to clear it off the, um, off the list to make some more space so I'd say that's not a very good example of how to yeah. do um, post-apocalyptic stories over a long running, running series what I thought did it quite well was Survivors on BBC, which um, was from 2008 to 2010. Um, which was a remake as well, wasn't it? Of it a was. 70s, mm-hmm. 70s show. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, watching that when it, when it was released and yeah, enjoying it and being a bit disappointed in the way it ended because it ended on a cliffhanger, didn't it? It did. I mean, it's only, I mean, it ran for that amount of time. It ran for two years, I think, two or three years. Yeah. But it had... Um, 12 episodes because it's BBC, you know, they were, yeah. they were quite short series, but it, I think they, they handled that story very well. It was about a, a flu virus that had wiped out most of mankind and groups of people kind of gradually came together. It has a Peterson Joseph, who most people will probably recognize from Peep Show, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and Julie Graham was the, the kind of lead role uh, in that series. And it, I just thought they, they showed how to bring a, di- a, a a diverse group of different people into the story and keep you interested and have quite a, a substantial amount of world building going on. So it just all came together quite well, I thought. The the threat always seemed real in it, which mm. is what you have to maintain. And they you know, you always feared for the, the characters, the main characters. And they were and they were likable for the most part as well, mm. the the people who you were following. So they they were kind of real people, I felt, you know, they weren't just yeah. um, they weren't a bit like The Walking Dead. You didn't have one guy who was just super exceptional with a crossbow and a motorbike. It was a, yeah. Yeah, a group of struggling survivors. Um, so that worked really well. I mean, is there anything that you, you can think of off the top of your head or have you got it written there on the top of your head that you could uh, um, read? Yeah, from, from back in 1999, it's, it's like I only vaguely remember it because I haven't actually been able to track down a copy or version to watch mm-hmm. anywhere. But it was an ITV uh, drama called The Last Train. Um, and essentially, it was about... Uh, so there was an asteroid strike, an asteroid going to hit the Earth. This uh, woman who was a scientist working with the MOD mm-hmm. was, on this, was on a train up to the facility where they're meant to be like an arc, basically an arc. They're going to hibernate um, until everything all got better. But for whatever reason, she didn't get there on time. She was on a train. The cryogenic stuff that she had with her got set off in the strike and cryogenically froze everybody who was in her carriage mm. uh, on the train. Uh, and they all survived. And then, they, you know, it was about them waking up 
in this post-apocalyptic world trying to find out what had happened to humanity and this research. She basically bought, took them all trying to find the, the research station and her, her boyfriend, who was the chief scientist. Mm-hmm. And um, if I remember rightly, they ended up being awoken far, far, far longer in the future than what they thought they would be. And for had not descended but they you know it was well down the line it was sort of ancestors of them and they'd all gone a bit sort of bronze age tribal mm-hmm. um but i remember that being quite good but like i say it's been a long time since it was aired and a long time since i've seen it but um was it a bbc yeah. another bbc one do you know no that was an itv itv one okay uh, that ran for two seasons and again 12 episodes uh, no one season sorry and six episodes cool i mean um when we first came up with this idea for the podcast um, that we were going to theme it on a sort of post-apocalyptic uh, tie-in to, to A Quiet Place and to Threads. There was one episode of a TV show we both thought of almost... Uh, well, you you thought of it first, I think, um, to give you the credit, yeah. um, which was Only Fools and Horses, which probably isn't an immediate, obvious choice for, <laughs> for right. a category like this. So there's one episode of Only Fools and Horses uh, called The Russians Are Coming, mm-hmm. and obviously set in sort of the Cold War period. Um, and it turns out that uh, Dell has purchased or ended up coming across uh, some lead. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the lead <laughs> is actually a nuclear fallout shelter. So Rodney being uh, a bit more, I suppose, politically conscious uh, than, than Dell says that they should build the, the bomb shelter rather than sell it just in case that the Russians should attack. So it, it starts off with them building the shelter at Grandad's allotment and then uh, seeing if they can get there within four minutes, with, you know, from the mm-hmm. four-minute warning. The most of the episode is just the three of them, Rodney, Dell, and, and Grandad, in the, in the bomb shelter, you know, just talking about what they do in case of the <laughs> nuclear fallout. And, but also just a lot of good, good, quick, dialogue just between the three of them in an enclosed space there's no kind of big plot to it it's just the three of them in the shelter just yeah chatting nonsense and apparently the the episode was based on a true story right the writer john sullivan he heard about a group of people who um basically did the same thing that was in the uh, episode in that they got a load of lead and decided well we'll just build an air raid shelter instead and uh it kind of inspired that episode but I think it's one of those those shows, isn't it? Only Falls and Horses. You can take those characters, put them into any sort of scenario, and you know them trying to beat a four minute warning to get to a bomb shelter suddenly is comedy gold. It's just yeah. uh, Make, it's... making the put making the point in the episode of, of no one knows what the four minute warning actually sounds like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Time now for our free play section. We're doing something slightly different uh, this week in STT Rewind. So we mentioned it at the top of the show, but uh, the BBC cult classic Threads has been remastered and is released on April 9th as a two-disc special edition uh, version of the, the original film set around a nuclear apocalypse up north where it's already pretty grim and they make it look even grimmer. Um, but two discs, special edition, special features, got a DVD audio commentary with uh, Mick Jackson and Karen Mega and uh, historian Simon Farquhar. Uh, there's a PDF of the Radio Times included as well with articles and letters from the original broadcast, as well as documentaries which detail the shooting of the uh, original movie. Fantastic film. Restoration just looks incredible. And it was the first time that I watched this, Steve. I hadn't seen Threads before. Uh, bloody hell, that's bleak. That, Didn't they used to show it in schools? They did. Yeah, it was uh, used as a kind of educational um, material because of, um, you know, nuclear warhead that was detonated over Sheffield and then detailing how... I, I uh, wouldn't have been in school the next day. What's the point? Yeah. I mean, it first aired in 1984, so that was two years before we were born. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, that was also the height of, of the Cold War and nuclear mm. paranoia. Um, and, you know, people were scared to death about the, the consequences of a nuclear winter. And so just, I mean, as, as watching, it, watching it now and how horrifying it is, being like in the midst of when it was released and watching that, I, you're right, I don't think I'd have, ever left the house again i think i'd have just um tried to turn my bedroom into a fortress and and waited for death yeah because it is that bleak <laughs> it's just yeah but uh anyway so we're we're bringing this into free play this week rather than into film or tv because we're running a competition we're giving away the rest the remastered version on dvd to one lucky winner all you have to do is tweet into us at set the tape on Twitter, uh, and tweet in with how you would survive an apocalyptic scenario of your choosing. And we'll select the winner at random on Monday, 9th of April. So get your submissions into us um, anytime before midnight on Sunday, and we'll, we'll select the winner. But to give people a bit of a, a, a clue, a heads up to, to what kind of things might um, aid them, in surviving a nuclear apocalypse. Steve, why don't you tell people how you would survive 
uh, an apocalypse of your choosing. It doesn't have to be a, a nuclear one, of course. It could be zombies. It could be influenza virus, as, we, as we've talked about. It could be anything. What would you do? Just give up. <laughs> yeah, just give up. Just yeah, just end. give up. What's the yeah. point? <laughs> so they always make a big point of, if it, even if it's a zombie apocalypse, mm-hmm. that the biggest is other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you just need yep. to isolate yourself as much as possible. I think I think people some some people suggest going to an island. I don't think that's a good idea because if you if your boat gets knackered, then you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to find a castle because they're always quite well defended. They've got big walls. Some of them might have a moat, which yeah. can be quite handy. Historically, uh, very de- de- you know strong defensively, yeah. aren't they? Castles. Yeah, it's almost like that's so what they were designed to- for. Yeah. yeah, so you just need to find, does it matter whether it's a zombie apocalypse or some nuclear thing or a, a virus and it's just other people that you're worried about, you find yourself a, a good castle and you get in there with some people that you can trust and you'll be able to see it out. It's, I mean, it's a very different prospect in, in England is, is to, if we have any American listeners. Yeah. I don't know about other countries, but America is obviously quite tough for this at the moment. Mm. So if if we were in America now, be a lot different because I'd feel a lot more at risk in a in a post-apocalyptic situation because somebody would most likely be able to get a gun from the supermarket and just shoot me. But in England, you got to probably go and find the the house of some yardies or a barn that a farmer has, and you might find a gun there. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly like quite easy to find. They might not be so, that willing to give it up either. You'd imagine. No, yeah. if, they're, if they're still alive, they're going to keep hold that gun themselves. Um... <laughs> now, I went to uh, Restermel Castle at the weekend in Cornwall. And I have to say, I mean, strategically, it's not that great, I don't think. You know, you're right on top Cornwall of... Cornwall itself, though. Cornwall itself. No one's going through Cornwall to get anywhere. Yeah, unless I mean because it's there are lots of ports, of course, because people just sort of come up the, the rivers there, and you know it might be. I mean, if you were right in the heart of Cornwall, you'd probably have a better chance. But if you were near sort of Land's End or anywhere near a port, you know, you'd have that problem, wouldn't you? People trying to get yeah. there. Yeah. See, my, what I would what I would do, and I've thought about this. There's a, a house which is near where I live. And I'm, I reckon in a sort of post-apocalyptic scenario where you've got about a 99% chance of death from whatever it is, and you're one of the few survivors, I reckon most of those houses around there are going to be empty or emptyable. And so um, it's a nice, big, solid, like, eight-foot wall that goes around it. You can't see in. Um, big, solid oak gate. It's a very posh house around there. I reckon I could, you know, sneak into there, try and hold that. It's got nice big lot of lungs, so you could grow stuff. I think it, you know, that's that would do me. Do you think you could kill another person? Oh if, no! If it came to it, I'd, I'd have like to just steal, leave. Like stealing, <laughs> or, like stealing, or raiding, or robbing. You know, mm. if if you if you need some food and whatever, and you break into some abandoned house and nick all the tinned beans and that, that's one thing. But actually having to kill somebody. To, to survive, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? I reckon I could loot. I could loot if it was in a post-apocalyptic world. I don't think I'd have too much of a problem with, with looting. I wouldn't expect to, you know... The, I mean, it's one of the, the, the scenarios that's brought up in threats. I don't know if you remember, but, like, 
um, a group of people go around looting houses and there's still a kind of police trying to maintain order. And mm. they do them in because they, they go and instead of just stealing stuff, they kill the occupants of the house to take their food. And so, I mean, it depends, doesn't it? If, if you've got a kind of martial law in place where you still have some authority figures, I mean, I might even be a bit nervous about looting. <laughs> that's sort but, of pre-apocalyptic, isn't it? Like before it happens, like I think even in something like, say, Deep Impact, you see people like looting, mm-hmm. like the day before the asteroids used to hit, like looting TVs and things. You think, what's the point? What's that going to do for you? Like for last day on Earth, what yeah. why would you go and just nick like a fifty-inch TV? I'm gonna, like, yeah. You, all all it's gonna be on if you do that. You get you get you go and nick your fifty-inch TV from Curry's. Uh-huh. You get it home. You set it up. All it's gonna be on telly is news updates about the end of the world. That test screen thing. Probably <laughs> show and repeat to the Big Bang Theory. That's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess as well. It depends, doesn't it? If it's localized, if it's just a post-apocalyptic thing in Britain. And nowhere else is taking us because of Brexit, Steve. They just decided Europe's yeah. just not letting us in. Um, maybe, maybe Brexit will be the apocalypse for us. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. No one yeah. knows what's going to happen, do they, Steve? That's going to happen. No. In a year from now, we'll be Brexiting mm. all over the shop, and then uh, we'll be left in a post-apocalyptic Britain. We'll be looting and murdering everywhere. More so than than usual. And still, they're still recording the podcast. Oh, definitely. This will still be going from from our hidden bunker. Yeah, set up our microphone. Oh, we won't even have like a. We just what we'd have to do is just buy old cassettes, just record it onto cassettes, and just leave them about. Just right, set the tape on it. It would literally be yeah. recorded onto a tape. Thank you for listening to another episode of STT Rewind. You've been listening to me, Owen Hughes, and set the tape writer, Steve Norman, in our post-apocalyptic themed episode. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast from. And why not share the episode with friends on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever else you like. Don't forget to enter our competition by tweeting us at Set the Tape with your idea for how to survive an apocalyptic scenario of your choosing. We'll select the winner at random on Monday the 9th of April. Entrants must be based in the UK and over 18. Thanks for listening and we'll be back with another episode of STT Rewind in a fortnight's time. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.